RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The Trek Files, Season 2, Episode 19, Part 1, Character Relationships, Memo from David Gerald, November 25th, 1986. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Well, welcome back, Star Trek background fans. Yes, Star Trek fans of all stripes, especially you next generation folks, are going to have a fun time this week. Yes, you canonistas and you Trekophiles with an F. We're going to stay in the realm of early day next generation gestation. And pull something a little bit different this week. We're going to take a large memo from the esteemed David Gerald, talking about the early days of character generation, late November 1986. Uh, one writer's guide has been in-house, obviously, has been produced, but the work on creating and honing the breakdown of characters and ship format, show format, is still very much a pace. And as you can see, if you check us out on Facebook at The Trek Files and find this week's document, as you can every week, we're going to break out one page from this large document that's all about Leslie Crusher. Yes, I said Leslie Crusher. (laughs) So take a listen, take a look at the document, and come right back, and I'll be back with this week's guest. Intellectually, she is the equal of anyone on the ship. Emotionally, she's still vulnerable. Father-daughter relationship with Captain Picard. Occasional jealousy because Picard is dating her mother. But mostly the kind of things that they can talk about as responsible people. Very formal, very polite relationship with number one. Does she have a secret crush on him? I didn't get a read on this one yet. Special relationship with Data. She is fascinated by him. She's charmed by him. Like all teenagers, she feels alienated from the people around her, to some degree. Data is also an alien. Therefore, the two of them have common ground in which to compare notes about life, love, and other human beings. Well, all right. This week, uh, Leslie Crusher. Yes, that's not a misprint. (laughs) That's not a misspeak. If you're familiar at all, and if you're not, you're about to be, with these early roots days of the next generation, you're going to know that... In the effort to put a young person as a regular character into the Next Generation mix, because the Next Generation was all about being exactly the same but different from the original series, um, this young person was going to be uh, Wesley Crusher and then Leslie. It went back and forth. Uh, but let's, let's sort this out. Let's get into this. You'll see some other early stages of Next Generation inherent in this document this week. Who's Matcha? I'll get into that with my guest that I'm thrilled to have back this week. Lisa Klink is back with us, everybody. You know her, hopefully, from her three seasons on Voyager, writing uh, episodes like Innocence and Blood Fever. She was executive story editor there. She uh, pitched and sold Hippocratic Oath on DS9 to start all that off and wound up writing for Earth Final Conflict as executive story editor. Several other shows after that. She also wrote the story for Borg Invasion 4D at Las Vegas. She's been a novelist here recently. And most recently in her spare time is working with Animal Rescue in L.A. So it's good to have you back, Lisa. Good to be here. <laughs> so I know this was one that you, you perked up about. Uh, I didn't know if you were aware of this early 
I had no idea that Wesley was once a Leslie. <laughs> for, for about two months. Yes, but I, I did not know that. And I didn't realize that uh, they wanted to put in a young person to, again, further distinguish it from uh, the original series. Right. Well, and, you know, famously, they mentioned uh, this was partly Gene's idea to have a young person. They're always talking about how this series is going to be an ensemble show because uh, L.A. Law and Hill Street Blues had really broken television open as far as a new paradigm. So they were all in the midst of that and figuring out how that would play out with a Star Trek show that people were so used to Kirk, Spock, McCoy at that time. Mm -hmm. They were so used to it. In fact, a lot of people couldn't accept (laughs) a next generation (laughs) at all. But as they're fleshing out the story and the characters and the, and the format of characters and the relationships, Gene is wanting to have this young person in the mix, which is, as we talked about last week, part of the reason why the family dynamic is there. But what's interesting to note first off is that the character led was was there was the driving force here the fact that there was a, a, a the father had been uh, had been killed on an away mission under Picard's command was baked into the cake in the beginning but that mother that whichever gender the child was <laughs> the teenager was was just kind of out there in the beginning we kind of they're kind of just dancing with that but it's really the young crusher that's leading the way so uh, what, how, what, how, what did your what did you so you just learned about this? What did yes. your mind do when you started considering the implications of a Leslie Crusher? Well, <laughs> I gotta say, my my first reaction was, I wonder if she would have gotten the same "shut up, Wesley" reaction from the fans. Um, I suspect probably so, but I just wonder if they would have maybe adjusted the character a little bit, uh, just because. Even still, we allow boys to be smarter than girls and more outspoken than girls. And so trying to make a sympathetic teenage girl character, I don't know if they would have made her as smart and as, frankly, intrusive at times as Mm -hmm. the male Wesley. Because we're, I mean, I'm trying to think here in terms of landmarks and TV. We're like a half a decade ahead of Buffy Mm -hmm. and what that did for uh, young women and and role models and smart you know savvy young women teenagers yeah it's almost as if they if they'd gone if they'd stuck to their guns here i mean i know bob justman in another in another life will will have this memo <laughs> <laughs> but i mentioned it in my companion book for next generation he made the argument strongly for having uh, leslie and he said you know, like you can find young boys that they're a dime a dozen on other series how many shows deal with with young women at the time? Yes. So you know he was looking out for that angle, but you're right. It, it, it some things would have been the same, and, and and this document gets into the dynamics of how of, of fleshing out the Leslie Crusher relationship with all everyone else in the cast. And I'm a little concerned also about the the hint that she might have had a, a slight crush on Riker. I that I think would have been a little distasteful, at least to me personally. I mean, I don't recall Wesley having a crush on like Tasha, mm-hmm. you know, which I think was a good choice. And I think that <laughs> if she had been a girl, they would have gone with having her have a crush on somebody because, again, that's what we do with female characters. Yeah. Uh, is it fair to say in the eighties, or is that fair to say today? I think it is just as true today. Uh-huh. It is hard to find female characters that don't have some sort of love interest. We, the Bechtel test was not exactly a... It wasn't a thing. That <laughs> was not a thing in the 86, <laughs> but yeah. Next Generation would have passed it. Yes. Yes, that's true. Eventually. Yes, they absolutely had female characters talking about things like the ship getting destroyed instead of just chatting about guys. Eventually. 
Yes, but the, it happened. Right, right, right. It happened. Oh, no, no, I, I'm not putting, I'm just saying, I don't <laughs> think in 86 and 87 that was high on True. That was high on the list. I mean, if you look at that, that just for a second, the female dynamic of characters was all led by, and again, they're talking about Macha here. Mm-hmm. Macha Hernandez was modeled on the Latina Marine Sergeant from Aliens, yes. Vasquez. Yes, Vasquez. And that was, they, they, we've got to have a, you know, and they thought they were going to be very socially relevant and pioneering and have a female security, have a security chief, A, just in the, in the play of characters, and then have it be a, a have it be a female, and then they get into casting, and Mancha Hernandez becomes Tasha Yar. Yes, they, a pretty blonde instead. Pretty, well, yeah, they uh, who started off being the Troy, the Troy they didn't know what they were going to do with, uh, flipped the characters, and Marina became Troy, and Denise Crosby became Tasha Yar, a Ukrainian. But <laughs> of course, so so you know, we're having to filter this relationship. You know, these are again, this is uh, the evolution here. This is mm-hmm. early strata here as we go through the geology of. Of next generation, but um, I also think it would yeah. have been nice if Leslie slash Wesley hadn't been a genius, because I think that part of the idea of having families on the ship is to show actual people, <laughs> and so you know, and civilians. And I get that you want to make Wesley super smart so that he can be involved in the plot every once in a while, but I would have actually really liked to see what an average person who had not signed up for Starfleet and was not part of the missions. What was what was the blowback? You know, what was what was it like to have your mom going on an away mission and you didn't know if she would come back? And what about your captain who got your dad killed? I mean, all of that I think had had a lot more that again could have been explored, right. especially if Wesley hadn't been essentially another crew member. Right. Well, hold my synthahol hall and let me show you the DS9 pilot. <laughs> but, but, but actually, that was, a, you know, Jake Sisko was a big pendulum swing yeah. away from the yeah. experience of Wesley Crusher. Yes. Let's have, or, you know, ordinary Joe kid here who's, ah, oh, dad, do we have to go to this place? You know, yeah. a military kid. Basically, yeah. Uh, who's smart in his own way and bright, but is still susceptible to getting. Hanging but not out a super with, genius. Yeah. Not a super genius, and even to the point of hanging out with some of the you know the bad kids on the station or whatever. Yeah, but you never heard people saying "shut up, Jake." True. Well, this this whole thing about uh, and and how they would have followed through. Age. I mean, we're just speculating here. Sure. But, um, uh, yeah, the, yeah the, the biggest knock against Wesley was to save the ship every week. And it was it was very sad, and this is all out there now. <laughs> and, but I remember back in the day being really I – would, I would, I'm sitting in Oklahoma and hearing these convention reports, even in slow motion communication days, mm-hmm. of people, you know, almost – you know, running Will Wheaton off the yeah. stage at conventions, yeah, and thinking what morons! Like if you yeah. if you have a problem with the character, go yell at the writers. Yes, don't yell at the sixteen year old kid here who's just trying to you know look good with uh, comparison with all his his adult peers and, yeah, and do absolutely. the job. I guess it was a moving target though, because since the writers were changing every six months, it was kind of hard. To- well, it. It was definitely the, the fans, you know, do consider the actor to be the character, and mm-hmm. that I think has always been true, and, and is true not only for Star Trek, but you know, for pretty much everything. That that is the visible face of that character, yeah. and I think there's always a a bit of an assumption that the actors just kind of make up their lines as they go. <laughs> I mean, yeah, technically there are writers, but well, do you think do you think that's gotten with a lot of times? I think social media and, and the audience is savvier than it was. 20, 30 years ago. Do you think that's changed at all, or do you think that's still... I think it has changed a little bit. Um, When you have kind of writer celebrities like Joss Whedon, you know, that people really acknowledge, you know, and Aaron Sorkin, um, 
that they obviously are kind of the stars of their shows, even more than the actors. But certainly at the time for Next Generation, I mean, other than Gene Roddenberry, I doubt that anybody who was not a diehard Trek fan could name even one of the writers. Right. Although you had that sense that they were turning over every... <laughs> well, there was that, too. 10 or 12 or 13, every 13 episodes, I guess I should say. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting, though. What, so had Leslie been Leslie... Mm-hmm. Um, that they were going to have, and had uh, whether it was whether it was Tasha Yar or Macha Hernandez, they they're postulating a big sister relationship with the security chief. She tells Macha things she wouldn't tell her own mother. That that still vaguely drawn person who we think is going to be the chief medical officer, but we haven't really filled in yet. But again, that would have been actually kind of interesting, mm-hmm. and they could have done that with Wesley and say Jordy. That again, what what is it like to be the kid of you know somebody who's going on away missions and is going to be not maybe separated off in the saucer section with all of the other civilians? That would have been interesting. And well, and then we have to include this note here. She would have had a big brother relationship with Jordy, and this is Jordy the con, right? Not Jordy the chief engineer when Jordy was right. junior bridge officer still, right. Lieutenant JG. Uh, that she had a big brother relationship with him, that she teased him lo- lovingly. And then the sample here. Jordy, do you know that you're black? Jordy looks at himself. Actually, I'm dark blue with bright, bright chlor striping. Chlor? Oh, you can't see it. It's the color beyond ultraviolet. Yeah, I don't think we missed out on that too much, i got to say. <laughs> you have a sense that they're laying all this out on paper and still having no idea what this is going to look like in practice. Yeah, because any kid that's raised on a starship, you would think would encounter 50 kinds of aliens and would probably know better than to say, you know what color you are, right? To any given alien, human or otherwise. Blind or sighted. Blind or sighted. Right, right, right. But special relationship with Data. Now, this is something that, since they, they peg it to being a teenager, whatever the gender is, that she feels alienated. That's something I can see running with a little bit. She feels alienated from the people around her. Yes. And the date is an alien, so they have a natural attraction. And thinking back, there were times when you saw that maybe spark a little bit in the beginning, but then I don't think uh, they... Yeah, no, th- again, that's something else that they really could have, you know, because Wesley, again, if he was a super genius, would have been even more alienated from, like, the normal kids on board, you know, and here you have Data, who is, you know, a million times more intelligent than any of the people he's working with, because he has all of this knowledge and, you know, this superior brain, essentially, and so it could have, that could have been sort of a bonding thing for them as well, about how do you get along with people who are a little intimidated by you? Yeah, but it it still begs the question that, that struck you initially, was what would Everything that we saw Will go through, excuse me, everything we saw Wesley go through, <laughs> uh, and some of the landmarks, and when they would try to sit down and write a Wesley show, air quotes, what that would have looked like with a young woman and not a young man, like the first crush, the first kiss, yeah, you know, the although, honestly, episode, or the in-command of the science team episode and all of that. Honestly, I'm... I'm not sure how that would have turned out with an all-male writing staff trying to do teenage mm-hmm. girl stuff. I mean, I'm I'm not an advocate of you can only write your own gender, certainly. But in general, teenage girls are not portrayed, in my experience, very accurately uh, by predominantly male writing staffs. Well, and we think of what the, the chaos on the bridge, yes. you know, literally, what shape the writing staff was in. Now, once it settled down in the third season with Michael Piller... It would be interesting now to think 
you know, how much time they would have put into it. The show was three years into maturity by then. What they had, what they had uh, Wesley doing by then, it seemed like they had a handle on, they weren't having him save the ship every week. Correct. And he was down front at con most of the time. But a lot of things that are written about teenage girls are about her being a girl. And I suspect it would have been less about what what role does she have on the ship and what can she do with her mind, and it would have been more about her having a crush on Riker. That's really pegged your, <laughs> perked up your ears. Yeah, that bugged me. Yeah, I mean, we got a little bit of a taste of that with Amanda Rogers, the would-be Q. A little bit. Watching it kind of maybe uncomfortably play out, but... Uh, yeah, and I know that Wesley did have... I think Ashley Judd was as mm-hmm. a love interest of his at one point for an episode and a half. Mm-hmm. So they did. I mean, they did obviously address him about what is it like to be a teenage boy, but they didn't have him, like, mooning around after Deanna. Thank God. Right, and you're worried about that might have been the case. I think that actually would have happened if it had been reversed, yes. Given that time and that staff and that turmoil? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, maybe if we could revisit and we could bring Next Generation up to now and take a shot with it, or maybe some future, maybe one of these uh, Star Treks unfolding today might give a go at that and handle it better? If if they decide to have families on board the ships again, which I think they... If they're going in a more action-oriented direction, having families on board kind of pulls it back from that. Where if you want, you know, Star Trek Discovery to be an action show, then you don't want to think about, you know, the consequences for all the babies on board. Oh, no, no, no. But I mean, just as a single standalone... Uh Teenage boy, teenage girl, you know, late teen, 15, 16, 17, the way Wesley or Leslie would have been. Yeah. And if you come up with a format, maybe on the new Hashtag Picard show, if it's not a, mm-hmm. if it's not a conventional format, maybe, well, who knows? Or even if they do, you know, go back to Earth, like they did occasionally on Next Generation, mm-hmm. you know, who did somebody leave behind? Maybe a nephew or a niece. Well, it's intriguing what would have happened if Bob Justman had actually won out and had his way. We, uh, we can only sit and ponder today, but thank you, Lisa, for coming by and helping me ponder. Happy to. <laughs> the Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. Additional production by Ken Ray. All documents are available at facebook.com slash thetrekfiles. For more great podcasts, check out podcast.roddenberry.com. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47 at LarryNimichek.com. That's me. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.